This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 242, Rebuilding the Ham Shack, recorded live on Thursday, January 14th, 2021. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by K0NEB, Joe Eisenberg, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Uh, last week on the show, uh, Michael Colley, W4MCA, uh, was here to talk about Hamcation SE, Hamcation Special Edition. If you uh, missed the show, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or YouTube, or you can catch the rebroadcast on WTWW. That's 5085 AM. Saturday afternoons at about 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time each week. And um, we do have a few announcements here to start off tonight, uh, as we do from time to time. First of all, uh, Hamvention, uh, if you hadn't heard, uh, sadly, Hamvention 2021 also had to be canceled. Um, and so next week, Michael Coulter, WHCI, the spokesperson from the Dayton Hamvention will be here to talk about it and the plans uh, for what was planned to be uh, Hamvention weekend. They're planning another QSO party, so uh, be sure to tune in next week. We'll hear more about uh, what happened with Hamvention and, and what their plans are. Um, also, the AM rally is coming up. The annual AM rally is the first weekend of February. And um, encourages everybody to get on any kind of equipment, uh, vintage or, or even a new SDR, and and get on AM. Um, standard AM, open to everybody on 160, 80, 40, 20, 15, 10, and 6. And at 0 Zulu Saturday, February 6th through 700 Zulu Monday, February 8th, and uh, in the Eastern Time Zone at 7 p.m. on Friday, February 5th, through 2 a.m. on Monday, February 8th, uh, for the AM Rally. And then the Virtual Ham Expo is coming up. Uh, the QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo will return on March 13th and 14th. Uh, the QSO Today team has been working uh, hard to make this upcoming expo even better with new speakers, panel discussions, kit building workshops, and much more. Early bird tickets are $10 and include entry for the live two-day period as well as the 30-day on-demand period. You can register at QSOTodayHamExpo.com. Uh, there's over 60 speakers, including Bob Alfin, K4UEE, talking about his favorite de-expeditions to the top 10 most wanted DXCC entities, and uh, they're going to have a live virtual kit building workshop. Uh, you can get the kit, uh, you can buy that in advance and delivered to you in time so you can build from home, so, so make sure you check that out. Okay, we'll get your questions ready to go. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can give us a call after the interview uh, by calling 859-982-7373. You can also tweet us. It's at HamTalkLive. Uh, you can tweet us there. And also uh, the comments. If you're listening to us on Spreaker, you can type into the comments. There's kind of like a chat area, so uh, you can use that as well. 
But again, the phone number, and we'll give that out uh, a few more times before it's time to call. Um, the phone number will be 859-982-7373. And I'll be back with Joe right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Hey, honey, have you seen the PL259s anywhere? No, I haven't. Come on, kids. Let's go. There's just one place to go for all of your connector needs. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. A giant warehouse of connectors and adapters for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And they have antennas, soldering supplies, cables, meters, and more. Where do you go if you want to buy a connector at a fraction of retail cost? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine solder-type PL259s, get the tenth one for just one penny. They make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a PL259? Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Tower Electronics. Electronics. I'm Scott, KB9AMM of Tower Electronics. I like the PL259 connectors so much, I bought the company. Tower Electronics, coming to a ham fest near you or online at pl-259.com. And we're in the yellow pages under Amateur Radio Connectors. My, wherever did you get that lovely PL259? Tower Electronics, pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Do we sell PL259 connectors? Two antennas met on a roof, fell in love, and got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics. For sponsoring the show tonight to help bring you Ham Talk Live, uh, they'll be at Jack Moyer's Tailgate in Orlando this weekend, January 16th. And then uh, they have Dalton, Georgia coming up on February 27th. And you can visit them online at pl-259.com. So you can check them out anytime, anywhere. Well, welcome back to Ham Talk Live tonight. Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, joins us on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation line. Uh, Joe is from Lincoln, Nebraska, and well known for his kit building expertise and his picture shows of Hamvention. He's the longtime kit building editor at CQ Magazine and often makes presentations and kit builds at Hamfest conventions, club meetings. Um, he, uh, like me, started at an early age in ham radio and has been licensed since 1969. And at Dayton, he's the guy wearing the Dr. Seuss hat. And, and for the first time tonight, Joe, uh, we're, we're not talking about kits. Although we could talk about kits a little bit because you've got some kit building stuff going on. But, but our main focus tonight isn't about kits for a change. Well, actually, um, I used kits. In fact, the way I, I covered this in the magazine is the fact that antennas are kits, um, things that you assemble like uh, rotator control cable connectors and so forth are all kits. And so I kind of took that aspect of it, but kind of walked through the process of what it took to make my signal a little bit louder from here in Nebraska. Well, and, and I had the chance to uh, catch you on um, the uh, 12 Days of Christmas and the uh, Yoda Month uh, activities toward uh, the middle of December, and you were booming into the shack here in Indiana. And uh, it, it was a noticeable difference. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you have taken your your shack and and just kind of revamped everything. And and you know we were talking about uh, 
you know, the picture on the cover of this month's CQ magazine and that being your, your tower project. And, you know, we were talking about, and you mentioned that, you know, normally you see these great big antenna farms, you know, and all these, you know, de-expeditions out in the middle of nowhere and all this. And it's like, gee, that was just my tower on the cover. <laughs> so so talk a little <laughs> no, bit about that. That's quite a difference for, for the magazine. And I was, I was very honored that my editor decided that it was significant enough of a project that it, it deserved uh, to be on the cover. And yeah, it's, it's not normal because usually you have the de-expeditions and so forth. And, but I, I'm glad it's going to help inspire people because we got a lot of people that are stuck home right now. And with Dayton even being canceled, it looks like the regular ham fest circuit isn't going to come alive, uh, for any large ones until sometime this summer. So it gives you some time to work on your station at home. And so that's what I did. Uh, The problem is a lot of other people are doing this at this time. And so the problem is that antennas and cable and rotators and other things that you'd use uh, and some radios and so forth are hard to come by. And so uh, if you ever listen to any of the DX Engineering uh, podcasts, he's always complaining that they're having trouble with uh, suppliers right now. And it's because it depends on where in the world or where in this country it comes from. Uh, the, the coronavirus has affected uh, supplies of everything. So we'll start off with the first problem that I wanted to tackle Uh Power distribution was not an issue, um, although one of the power supplies I did replace, uh, one of the Astron 35Ms with the Samlex, but uh, that wasn't the, the major issue. Power distribution was not an issue, uh, but it was a lot of unused cables. Now, a lot of people think, okay, I've got all these wires from years ago, and I'll just punch another hole in the wall and I'll run another cable through. Well, that's what I did for 35 years. And so you end up with a lot of cables that are passing through the wall and then goes into the laundry room next door to the shack, which is where my workbench is, and then out through a hole in the wall to the tower in the outside world. Well, I had uh, four conductor cables and eight conductor cables and another old rotor cable and several coaxes that were cut on both ends. They were replaced by newer cables, but they were still like RG8X and so forth. And so the problem was that what I didn't realize is that I had an untenable situation where uh, I couldn't get on 80 or 160 on FT8 because there was so much RF coming back into the shack that the computer would reboot or the radio would even reboot. Mm -hmm. I know that feeling. And using uh, uh, chokes on the line cut it down, but it was still an issue. And so uh, it brought back the situation where I've seen this at field day and stuff as well. And it's unused cables just sitting there. Actually, uh, the RF that comes down the jacket of adjacent lines ends up on these unused cables and re-radiates. And so... Uh, digging out all the old wires, uh, was the first step. Uh, the second step was I, when I did that, uh, I got rid of some coaxes that were maybe 30 years old or so. And I decided to go with a remote coax switch. And at the same time, I wanted to improve the grounds because I discovered I had one 14 gauge wire that was running into the laundry room and it was hooked to the copper pipe. And then there was a thinner wire than that that went outside and connected to one of the ground rods. Well, that was all pretty much rotted out. And so uh, I went to the hardware store and got some eight gauge and four gauge copper. And uh, the ground rod system around the tower was in good shape. So uh, I connected that to the water pipe just inside the house as it comes in it goes right by the water pipe 
and then connected that to a new heavy cable that came into the shack. Now, what I did was I bought a DX engineering uh, grounding block kind of a thing, and it's a kit. And it comes with a copper bracket that you screw into the wall. And it has space for three Alpha Delta transit traps. And so I I bought those and I put those on there. And then uh, I got some braided wire. And now people tell me I shouldn't have used the braided wire, but it seems to work okay. And so I I have separate grounds that go to each radio instead of a wire that kind of went from one uh, wing nut to another to another on all the different <laughs> radios. Now they all go to this one ground and they go out. And when I change the ground and then I, I put a brand new clamp on the pipe, when I pulled the other wire off the old clamp, it pretty much came right out in my hand. So That's I sanded the pipe and then uh, put the clamp on and everything and the two heavy gauge wires, the one going outdoors and the one going into the shack. And immediately the noise floor was incredibly dropped. It went from about an S7 to about an S2. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. So then I connected the remote coax switch and I cut all the coaxes that came into the house, the old ones, and then I had a new piece of LMR 400 that went from the coax switch to the radios. And so, uh, once again, the signals improved just immensely, but the old cables were still hooked up to the old antennas outside. And, but yet the noise floor had dropped just tremendously and all the RF problems had gone away. And I thought, Oh yes, this works getting rid of all the old cables. In fact, we recycled the cables and I ended up getting $16 and 50 cents for them. I uh, just piled them up and took them to a recycle center. Um, but uh, by going to the remote coax switch, instead of having like five or six runs of LMR 400 coming into the house, I have one. And that uh, made a big difference. Now, there's some some quirks that I discovered with that, but uh, we'll get into that later. But it works. It works quite well. The coax switch, because it is remote, um, it has to be powered on for the antenna to be live at the radio. So that's kind of a good thing because if I turn it off, uh, it opens that connection. But I also have the lightning arresters inside, and they're also grounded when they hit the coax switch because the frame of that is grounded directly to the tower. So the the noise level was immediately lower. The signal strengths were better, but the antennas, they were old. So... Uh, I ordered a five element, uh, six meter beam and then a new TH3 MK4 to replace the TH3 junior. And I, of course, ordered LMR 400 for the six meter beam and for the UHF antenna that's above that and for some other antennas. And then the wire antennas were another problem. And that was I had one rope on a pulley and three hooks, three snap hooks. And so I had three wire antennas on one rope, which uh, wasn't very good because uh, the wind would bang them against the tower and sometimes they'd short out and things like that. And when I tried to lower them to repair it, they would get caught. So because they were pulling in three different directions. And so... um, that rope is still there, and it holds the 40-meter uh, double bazooka, but it does not hold <coughs> excuse me, any other wires. Um, that uh, rope is still there, but I replaced that rope. And then I put up four more separate pulleys with Dacron rope. And so that way I have antennas that have survived two ice storms already and we had 55 mile an hour winds today and also a few days after we put this up in november and so i have wires now for bands that i didn't have before i have a 17 meter double bazooka i have a 12 meter dipole i have 
160 meter uh, shortened half sloper uh, that's top fed, and I have an 80 meter version of the same thing. So, uh, in addition to the 40 meter double bazooka and the 12 meter dipole that I hung, uh, all of them are fed with LMR 400, except for I think one of them is on LMR 240, which is kind of like a uh, higher end version of RG8X that lets you still run up to a kilowatt. So uh, the end result of the whole project was I had a lot of stuff to do in a very short amount of time because uh, by the time all this stuff came in, uh, it was the end of October. And I had to get my tower crew, who had been working to get the repeaters in the area, all set up for winter. And so what happened is uh, we ended up doing it on two consecutive afternoons, two hours each. And uh, the first one, we stripped the tower completely down. All the cables came off. And then I ran new rotor cable and everything, and we actually got the rotor back up, and we got the TH3 and the 6-meter beam and the UHF all reconnected with new cable all the way through. And I have to tell you that there was a piece of RG8X that I used to uh, as an interim uh, repair because we had trouble with an owl that would be and a hawk that would claw onto the UHF antenna. And so that was a temporary fix that lasted 15 years, but there were claw holes <laughs> over the piece of 8X. Now we've we've rerouted mm. it so that it's underneath, so that if he puts his claws on it, uh, he he will be on the boom and not on the cable. So <laughs> some changes because the tower is the highest point in the neighborhood, and it is attractive to uh, this type of bird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I have morning doves, I have uh, an owl, and I have a hawk, and I have pictures of them that, that do roost up there from time to time. And uh, part of the problem is there's a city park behind me, so there's field mice and things like that that they go after. Yeah. But Well, that, that's, uh, the first, this really hits home because I, you know, when I was talking to you the other day on, on, on HF, I was going through that exact thing. Every time I'd key up, the monitor on the computer would go out. And so it was like, okay, I got to stay off of 80. And and on 40, I got to be in the lower part of the band, not the higher part of the band, because my monitor would go out. And one time, it even took out the router, and I had to... <laughs> re-upload the firmware and, and reboot the router just to, to to get back on i'm trying to run this 12 days of christmas thing and it's like you know it, it just it wasn't good so so was was that the motivating factor is, is that yeah. what finally made yeah, you when, say hey it's yeah. time to do this yeah when things just quit working <laughs> it got to the point where <laughs> anything but maybe 20 meter sideband and 40 meters would wouldn't work i decided that that you know i'm stuck home this is the time to do it and get everything done um was there uh rfi issues when i was done yes there was and the addition of being able to use the SB200 amplifier, which I have never had an amplifier at home in the 52 years I've been a ham, uh, that brought its own little interesting things. And I have to tell you, you can get these through DX Engineering. Snap-on chokes are wonderful, and oh, it really yes, takes things out. Uh, I had a problem that the TV would turn itself on upstairs just randomly turned itself on and so i took the power cord to that and to the the uh cable box actually goes into my fiber and my blu-ray player and it turned out to be the blu-ray player was the thing that was at fault because uh i would key up and it would say insert disc on the tv and i thought oh okay even though the TV was off because I have a smart TV. And when you turn that on, and, and, uh, turn on mm -hmm. a device that's plugged into it, it sees that on the HDMI port and it turns the TV on. Yeah. So, but I, I wrapped 
uh, the power cords of all those devices through individual uh, snap-on chokes. And then I had the problem that the furnace kept trying to turn on every time I, I sent a data frame on FT8. Well, that turns out to be the thermostat wire because part of the changes was the 40-meter antenna got raised about 15 feet higher, which worked wonderful for 40 meters, but it put it right at the level of the upstairs thermostat, which is a, um, a Nest thermostat, a very smart thermostat. And so it was putting RF back down the line and went into the controller in the furnace. So once again, uh, loosening up the uh, thermostat wire by removing a couple zip ties, wrap a couple turns around the uh, snap-on choke, and that took that problem out right away, even when I'm running five or 600 watts. So I knew yeah. there would be issues. It was just a matter of what are they going to be when I do this. <laughs> but I have not had a single complaint from the neighbors. Nobody has had any problem at all. Uh, one of them uh, changed from a satellite dish to fiber, but I think that was more because of the Internet, not because of any RFI. So, uh, and I don't have a neighbor on the other side that's on cable or anything either. Uh, they're on fiber as well. So, uh, that was a blessing. Uh, yeah. but, uh, well, uh, the, going to LMR 400 was, was, uh, a real bonus on this. Yeah. Well, let's take our, our break here, Joe, and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about, uh, this a little bit more and and more about uh, what you did on the inside of the shack which uh, we've already kind of gotten into but we'll we'll come back and talk more about that and uh, and, and some ideas here and and i, I tell you i i've been just kind of putting things off and, and waiting you know until i move and, and set up the new shack and everything and 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 you and it's it's kind of the same story it's it's like okay i know i could do this you know and I, and those snap-on chokes I, I i used to get them you know just when i needed them and finally i just said forget it and bought a whole bag of them and you know and and been putting them on but um it didn't didn't help a whole lot in my situation so we're gonna have to to do that but uh, let's take a break here and then we'll come back we'll talk more with joe eisenberg k0neb about uh renovating a shack maybe uh get some ideas to renovate your shack right after this word from icom america right here on ham talk live happy 2021 from icom icom's ic705 gives hours of fun and enjoyment working your favorite bands this holiday season the IC705 is the perfect sidekick for hams that like to enjoy what both the great indoors and outdoors have to offer. It's the perfect QRP companion, base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package, covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds, with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It comes with a 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. It runs 5 watts with the battery, 10 watts with a power supply, Sideband, CW, AM, FM, as well as full D-Star functions are available. A micro USB connector, Bluetooth, wireless LAN, micro SD card slot, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger. The speaker mic comes standard and supports QRP and portable QRP operation. The perfect accessory for the IC705 is the now available optional backpack, LC192, with a special compartment for your IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or a day in the park. Other accessories now available include a QRP portable magnetic antenna, standard battery pack, lithium-ion battery pack, micro-USB cable, USB Type-C to micro-USB cable, a DC power cable, a compact lapel push-to-talk Bluetooth, 
with earphone and a desktop tray. And the antenna tuner is coming soon. And there's free software to download. The programming software, the Android app, the terminal mode access point mode application, and the smartphone picture utility for Android, iOS, and Windows. Also available is the RSBA1 IP remote control software, which requires purchase. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859-982-7373. Again, the number to call is 859-982-7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Here's the snap. Rapp takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80. Now 40. Now 20. 15. 10. 2 meters. Touchdown, Ham Talk Live. Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. And check out Ham Talk Live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at hamtalklive.com. And check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And we'll get back to uh, Joe K0NEB in just a few moments. But now... It's that time once again for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week. Now it's time for the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week, the part of the show where Rick tells us a ham radio joke. The Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week is brought to you by QRM Labs. Now, here's Rick Garrett in 9GSU with today's Ham Talk Live Joke of the Week. The other day, a buddy of mine told me he got Mexico on his ham radio. (laughs) That's no big deal. I opened my window and got chili. This has been the Ham Talk Live Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in 9GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick. Oh, boy. He's (laughs) at it again. (laughs) He got chili. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, thanks, Rick, for that. Uh, 859-982-7373 is the phone number. If you'd like to call in, uh, go ahead and do that. 859-982-7373. You can tweet us at Ham Talk Live if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition. You won't be able to reach us live since uh, we're doing this on thursday night but uh joe is back here and and we're going to talk a little bit uh more about his uh shack renovations and and maybe get some some ideas here and chris aa4cb uh typed in and says uh that you finally got to hook up all the antennas you want at dayton and huntsville so (laughs) (laughs) actually i i bought a few of them there uh uh, one of them I did win, and the others I, I bought, and they come from uh, radio waves, uh, is almost all the wires are radio waves antennas. And something I, I didn't mention before is that when you're dealing with rotor cable, even though it's shielded and so forth, and the shielded wire that comes in that runs the uh, remote coax switch, which is a... Uh, nine or 10 conductor cable, um, you need to use one of those snap-on chokes as well. And the reason is, is that there's a lot of antennas that use the coax as part of the counterpoise, uh, especially my uh, uh, 160 and 80 meter antennas. Now, they both have a ground wire that attaches to the base of the tower, but you still have some RF that some of it gets bled off when it goes to the coax switch. And then I have another choke that uh, handles the uh, cable that comes from the coax switch to the radio. But there are other lines coming in, like the VHF-UHF lines that aren't bypassed 
that way. They do go to a ground later on. And uh, the control cables do end up with RF on them. And so choking them where they come into the house, that, that pretty well takes care of that by wrapping around one of those snap-on chokes. Um, you mentioned ICOM earlier. Uh, the main rig here, for those who don't know, is an ICOM 7610. And uh, uh, I also have a 7300 and a 9700, which is now doing the duties on VHF and UHF. And it's going to get a little bit of a workout this weekend with the uh, uh, January VHF contest. So we're going to try it out and see what it does. I don't have a lot of fancy VHF, UHF antennas up quite yet. Two meters, unfortunately, is on a disc zone, but UHF is on six elements up 55 feet. So, uh, and of course, we have the six meter beam. So, uh, we'll see what we can do during the VHF contest, but all those are once again fed with the LMR 400. Uh, the 400 that I use is called Ultraflex. And uh, what's interesting is I, I don't think the loss at six meters is even a dB at 100 feet or maybe one dB. And you compare that to the old RG8 uh, that I had that even the braid wasn't 100% from 30 years ago. And <laughs> the, the, the difference in the loss is incredible. And when people say, well, I'm not going to invest in, in good cable, well, if you have two or three dB loss, that's like uh, if you replace that with the good stuff, that's like buying an amplifier. So if you're going to spend another $30 or so on that cable, that's like buying a 200-watt amplifier. So yeah. you have to think of it in terms of dB. Okay. Yeah, I remember uh, Dad got a hold of a piece of half-inch hard line and, and put it on our VHF antenna and, and the difference that it made even just at 50 feet, was just phenomenal. And uh, so you really, especially VHF and UHF, you've got to really, uh, you know, consider what feed line you can afford and, and what feed line you want to use because it will make a huge difference. And, you yeah. know, you've, you've already mentioned, you know, lowering your noise floor on HF and, and getting all that stuff going and, um, I know you've got more plans uh, to, to finish up uh, at once uh, once we get out of this uh, frigid winter. But, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about that. And then let's talk a little bit about, you know, getting that amplifier hooked up and, and what else you did inside. Well, the amplifier, uh, I spent three months writing about in CQ magazine because I did three different Harbach kits. And I went through assembling the kits, and then I went through the beginnings of installing them in the radio, uh, in the amplifier. And then the final one was what they did and everything. Uh, the Harbach kits basically replaced the power supply. We added inrush protection, and then we have a relay control voltage change. So instead of having 120 volts DC across a relay of a modern radio, uh, we have about one and a half volts at about 10 milliamps uh, handling the, the relay keying. And the inrush protection, of course, protects the tubes and the capacitors and so on when you fire it up. But the biggest change was the power supply. And that is when you replace a 52-year-old power supply, it's amazing the technical differences between filter capacitors and diodes and load resistors and stuff that make up this power supply board. And so I, I highly uh, recommend the Harbach kits for restoring the amplifier. But there was one last-minute piece that I did not do during that process that I was reminded that I should do to preserve the tubes because I got two brand new tubes as well in this amplifier. And that is the parasitic choke. Uh, it's a resistor with a coil wrapped around it or sometimes parallel to it, depending on your amplifier. And so a friend of mine, Dan WB0LJK in Iowa is a Collins engineer and he has a uh, 30L1 at home and it uses the same pair of 572 uh, tubes pretty much in the same configuration as the SB200. 
And he told me which resistor to get, and he gave me some of the special wire that he used to, to do it, gave me the dimensions. I wrapped it around a drill bit to wind the coil and put the resistor in there, soldered that all together and replaced that. And so I have all new parasitic coils as well in the amplifier, and away it goes. The only band I'm having trouble with is 10, and that's because I think whoever had this amplifier before me must have tuned the slug to 11 or something. <laughs> and so, and Not that anybody would ever have tech. done that. <laughs> and so uh, 10 doesn't work, and I'm not going to mess with the coil because uh, if you try and turn those slugs, they can they can shatter because uh, it's 52 years old. Um, but otherwise, the amplifier works well, and it helps heat up the shack in the wintertime. Um, <laughs> the, the VHF UHF changes uh, will be a 2-meter 440 horizontal uh, array, and... Uh, uh, another 2-meter 440 antenna that will just go to a mobile-type radio in the shack that I will use for the local repeaters, freeing up the 9700 to be used for the more serious stuff uh, like 2-meter uh, sideband and tropo scatter and things like that. So that's that will be what finishes up the, the uh, renovations here. But I have to tell people, it's worth it to do that, uh, to do this. The grounding, just changing the grounding and uh, putting in new cables and new grounding and new lightning and static discharge devices took my noise level down, like I said, from an average of S7 all the way down to S2 and lower, of course, depending on band conditions. Now I'm able to more discern if the noise is band conditions or neighborhood noise or uh, – uh, whatever. And it, it makes a, a huge difference. Grounding cables, it all makes a better shack. And I can't emphasize that enough because after being a ham for 52 years and, and just kind of rolling with the punches as things got older, uh, it is a great relief when everything works and I get dx on 12 meters on ft8 and things like that and a guy in new zealand i could rag chew with him for 30 minutes on 15 meters when i didn't hear many other signals on the band and things that i could have never dreamed i could do uh is now possible yeah it, it's uh just amazing what that can do and i look forward to, to getting mine done when i uh Get moved and, and get everything going. And I, I found that I've got a, um, a, a stoplight, a traffic light controller in the neighborhood now that, that I'm picking up. And, uh, it's raised my noise floor. Um, so <laughs> there's that. Well, some of those, uh, some of those, the, the stoplights are LEDs and some of those can be noisy. Um, there's all sorts of things that can, cause a problem but um it it takes time to do it right uh ward silver n0ax who is my oh, yeah. aro handbook editor has a great book called grounding and bonding uh for the radio amateur and that that is well worth it uh ward silver's book is is probably about the most authoritative uh book on the subject of grounding and bonding and so forth yeah and that book is sitting on is the different. shelf i'm looking at it right now it, it's it's here and i i actually had it sitting out uh and the guy from the the satellite um company came to to change out some equipment and he he mentioned that he got written up because <laughs> <laughs> of a lightning issue somewhere and, and he saw that book by ward and, and and said do you mind if i take a look at this book <laughs> because he was reference. he was he was really interested in, in the grounding and bonding thing and i'm like yeah sure take you know take a look at it um you know it, it, it's just fabulous i've heard his uh uh, presentation on it uh, at a couple of different club meetings and and um, he's really got some good stuff so if you haven't checked that out check it out uh, and uh, 
if you haven't seen yeah, his other- presentation, look around for it. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, but he's he's got some great information. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to mention is the tuner I'm using now is an MFJ 998, and uh, it handles full legal limit. And it's kind of interesting in that you route the relay control for the amplifier through the tuner so that when you tune the antenna, it uses the rig as the exciter, and it tunes the antenna, but it holds the amplifier offline. And then uh, when it's done tuning, the amp is now online. So you can tune your amp knowing that it's not going to be into a mismatch. Uh, the other thing is everybody says, but you're a QRP guy and you make all these little low power kit radios. Well, when you reduce your loss in your feed line and you improve your antenna gain and your ground and stuff, it works good for QRP as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would argue that it's probably more important because you don't have that much to start with. And if you can you know cut down your losses that's uh that's a major issue so eight five nine nine eight two oh go ahead yeah some of the connectors i got uh were from uh tower electronics and uh the cable i got was from abr in texas and i got it with pre-made connectors on it as well and uh uh the like I said, the grounding and the remote coax switch and so forth came from DX Engineering. The radios are ICOMs. Uh, and, and some of the cable, the control cable uh, for the rotator uh, came from the Wireman. So, oh, there we uh, go. Lots, lots of great suppliers out there. He also supplied some of the rope I used. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the supply issues and, and every uh vendor i've talked to is, is saying the same thing it's just it's really difficult to to keep uh stock going because uh you just don't know when that stuff is coming in 859-982-7373 is the phone number if you'd like to call in that's uh it's time to do that right now so uh give us a call at 859-982-7373 uh brett wy7bg on twitter says uh good evening neil and joe uh you saw joe uh two weeks before the nebraska state ham fest was canceled uh where he thought he'd see you again uh but uh, he heard you and, and says that you're really loud there in wyoming on ft8 and that new setup must be working and um, he says uh, might want to do a show on RF in the shack, and he's got some some tips to offer. And, and I know, uh, like I said, Ward uh, in his grounding and bonding uh, has some really good stuff too. So yeah, we may uh, may need Ward to do that here a, too. Yeah, Ward would be a real good guest. Um, the the other thing is um, plan ahead by having everything done and all the feed lines uh, done into the house. When we had the tower crew, all I had was the cables coming down before I plugged them into the coax switch at the base of the tower. So I could measure the SWR on any of the lines and then choose which portal to plug them into. But everything was all done. And that's the thing, to be really prepared for your tower crew because they don't want to be putting PL259s on and things like that. They want to bring things down, strip the tower clean, uh, bring the stuff back up, and things like I I replace the rotor and stuff. I I have to thank MFJ for uh, being real prompt at getting all this stuff to me. And uh, uh, the tuner and everything, and it it works wonderful. uh, the only uh, I have a few oddities that I'm I'm resolving. It has to do with feeding six meters through a tuner that's not made for six meters, so I have to bypass <laughs> it uh, when I uh, am on six. But otherwise, uh, um, everything seemed to work great, and now it makes me think about maybe I need a bigger amplifier. <laughs> <laughs> I I, but, I I have to admit I. I did a little amplifier shopping online, window shopping, but um, did a little little shopping last week trying to fi- trying to pick one out. So we'll 
We'll see. Well, surprisingly, I know a lot of guys use the AL-811 and AL-811H, and uh, they are very popular because they use a, an inexpensive tube. And if if you don't want as much power as your local AM broadcast station in your shack, then uh, one of those amps, it'll get you through the pileup. The, the difference might be an S unit below the full legal limit, but when you're putting out six to eight hundred watts PEP, that's pretty good. Uh, they're going to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Troy W nine KVR says he's got a solar farm about a half mile away, and oof, yeah, all kinds of inverter noise there, and uh, and says Ward's book should be required reading. I, it, it really is major. I mean, I, I went away from the club meeting. I, I had him uh zoom in at our local club meeting before all the covid stuff happened and and i walked away from that just saying okay you know i have got to plan this out on the new house you know we got to get some ground rods in there we got to get them bonded we got to we we got to do a better job of that than than what I have now, which is is next to nothing. Um, well, the good thing is you'll that. you'll have access to a new place with no furniture or anything in there, and it's a great time to figure out how you're going to get yeah, your cables yeah. out, how you're going to bond the uh, the water pipe and power service grounds to your ground and to your outside grounds and so forth so it's it's the ideal opportunity before things get cluttered which was another problem here and digging out stuff i i ended up with 20 bags of trash that that got hauled to the curb and you wouldn't believe it but somebody stole it (laughs) well joe i had somebody steal aluminum hard line off of a repeater site actually I believe that. took it off of the tower and then surprise surprise it was aluminum hard line so might have got a dollar out of it <laughs> yeah it's not copper yeah uh, there was a piece of andrew heliax on the tower previously and it was not being used in our um uh, the head of our tower crew for our club. And we have like four volunteers that, that do this now. Uh, he took it for use for a short run because only about 30 feet or so. And uh, it will find use on one of our local repeaters. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, feed lines, very important. Um, go with, uh, you know, the best feed line you can afford. Uh, it's it just just worth it. All right. Well, well let's said, one more call eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three. Oh, sorry eight five nine nine eight two seventy three seventy three. We're we're running over here, so want to get uh, one last opportunity for the phone calls here. Um, okay, I want to ask you a little bit about the Hamcation stuff, but any, any last things about the uh, the renovations here? That we missed. No, uh, I would say that it's something you can spend some time planning now because people are, are at home more and get rid of old cables that aren't connected to anything, please, because <laughs> yeah, all they yeah. do is they bring in more RF. Yeah, and and get a bag of those snap-on chokes. They're 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 definitely worth it. I I have them on everything from USB cables to monitor cables to just everything and uh i'm i'm gonna be putting more in when i build the new shack so uh good thing to do well i i signed up for your uh one of your two forums at hamcation you've got two forums you've got the kit forum of course and then you also are doing one on 3d printing and that's the one i signed up for because i i want to hear uh a little more about this because that's something that i have not got into but you made me a wonderful little call sign uh display uh and and sent it to me for my 50th birthday and and it's sitting in the shack uh but i i'm curious to hear uh, what you have to say about that so uh we should mention that uh if you go over to hamcation.com and and sign up there you can 
sign up to hear about that as well as kit build. So, so give us a minute or two on those. Well, uh, the kit building form will be the, the one that I normally give, but of course updated, but the, the 3d printer, of course, I use at the beginning of the pandemic to produce, uh, uh, face shields for our local first responders. I made over 300 of them. And uh, the 3D printer is very useful in ham radio because you can make things like insulators. I make cases for kits. That's a big thing. Um, you can make little stands and stuff that hold up your, your little QRP radios and so forth. You can make a, a knobs for different radios and a lot of that stuff is free online you can just download the the recipe we like to call it and uh, uh, what we call slice it and i'll go over what the process is and how you can download a file and then adapt it to your printer and print it out and i have some hints and kinks of of things like what kind of print heads to use because I ran this 24-7 for three months and it's a entry-level Ender 3 Pro and uh, I learned a lot. Uh, I ended up servicing about every part in it and because they're not meant to run 24-7 like that. And so uh, there's a, a lot of things you learn about 3D printers and um they are very useful. Like I said, there's a zillion things you can make for ham radio. I bought it uh, intending to make cases for kits, and uh, it kind of grew from there. And so I'm able to not only do that, uh, I'm helping design some kit cases now. And uh, um, there's just a whole host of things that you can make, and they're, they're not real fast, but what you get is is what you design yeah some some good stuff and uh i look forward to uh hearing all about it so make sure you sign up for that if that's of interest to you and as well as the uh the kit build and and all kinds of stuff uh over at hamcation se coming up here in a month so uh, make sure to check that out, and that's free. And uh, bought uh, bought a couple of tickets. I know you'll probably buy like you know two thousand tickets, but you know, no, 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 <laughs> not, not this time. I'll, I'll get a handful, but uh, yeah, you, you know what? You gotta you gotta want a chance at that seven oh five. Yeah. Yeah, it was too good to pass up, so I had to get a couple of tickets. So uh, we'll we'll see how uh, how that goes, but uh, some some good stuff from uh, Joe coming up at Hamcation. So make sure you check that out. All right, well, uh, Joe, I think we're we're about done here. We're we're running uh, a little overtime, but uh, thank you for coming on and and talking about all this. And I'm sure next time it'll probably be kits again, but. Uh, but as always, we'll we'll get you back on here and talk about it. And and uh, and congratulations on getting getting on the the front cover of Q, of CQ. Now, well, thank I don't you think very much. I don't that think was, there's a song kind of for a that. Surprise! I don't think there's a song for that. You know, there's a song for getting on the cover of the NCJ, but <laughs> the, the, the spurious emissions did. You know, on on the cover of the NCJ. I don't think there's one for CQ, but. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was nice to see. I liked that. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Neil. And uh, I want to tell you a great big congratulations on the award. Uh, very, very, very well-deserved getting the Carol Perry Award. Well, well thank you so much. Uh, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, to uh, have all the comments this week, and uh, I appreciate yours as well. And uh, it's it's been great. So thank you once again to uh, Hamcation for for awarding that. And and now you've got me. You, you told me stories of, of this banquet that they have down there at Hamcation. Now you've got me like you know really wishing I was there because it sounds great. So but I gotta wait. A, gotta wait a year. Yep, it's a long evening, but it's interesting. Yeah, sounds like a lot of fun. So lo really looking forward to that and uh, and seeing everybody again. My goodness. So well, I guess we'll keep fingers crossed for Huntsville. Or, yeah, for Huntsville now. Um, but uh, just uh, 
just hoping for the best. So, well, I think we've got all the uh, the comments and the tweets and everything uh, wrapped up. So we'll go ahead and uh, call it a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Joe Eisenberg, K0NEB, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in tonight. And uh, invite you back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Michael Coulter, WHCI, will be here to talk about the cancellation of Hamvention 2021 and uh, the plans for the QSO party and, and other things during Hamvention weekend virtually. And uh, for a list of all our upcoming guests, just go over to hamtalklive.com. And please, if you like the show, leave a review. That's uh, how you can help back to the show is, is to leave a review and help others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. Don't, 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 don't,